0: Now, the Husker Athletic Director Show with Bill Moose, presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Woodhouse Auto Family, shop Woodhouse first. 18 brands, 18 locations, one team to help you get on the road faster. Woodhouse Auto Family, the official auto dealer of Nebraska athletics. And now, here's your host, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to our monthly sit-down with Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose here on Sports Nightly. If you want to be a part of the program tonight, here are the numbers, 531-500-4686. That also doubles up as our U.S. Cellular text line, if that works out better for you. Brought to you by U.S. Cellular, proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. It is game week for the Big Red as they will kick off the The abbreviated Big Ten football season on Saturday in Columbus against the Ohio State Buckeyes, one of eight regular season games with a ninth to to be played, matching up the teams that finish in their respective spots in the standings in the Big Ten East and West. And then next week, Nebraska will get their first of four games inside Memorial Stadium and that'll be a 2.30 kick with the Huskers and the Wisconsin Badgers. So the, we do know game times for the first two weeks. This one on Saturday kicks off at 11. Pre-game coverage here on the network begins at 6 a.m. Bright and early with the opening drive followed by Husker game day, kind of kickoff, and then on into the main broadcast of the game. As so the Huskers travel to the horseshoe where they had a pretty good go of it two years ago when they went back there, led at halftime. Ended up losing by five points to the Buckeyes, but really acquitted themselves well on a a nice fall afternoon and Columbus, and hopefully the Huskers can draw on that experience. A lot of the Husker players that are going to be taking the field on Saturday were there and played in that game, including quarterback Adrian Martinez, who had a very good game uh, in that game against the Buckeyes a couple years ago and Nebraska was still really trying to find it and searching their way to a, a slow start under first year then first-year coach Scott Frost. A lot to get into with the athletic director tonight. We're going to get an update on the Sea of Red campaign that's been going on for the last couple of weeks, brought to you by our good friends at FNBO. Uh, these are the cardboard cutouts that people have been purchasing. Some um, have been honoring maybe a family member that is deceased, but was a huge Husker fan. Maybe a pet. Uh, I think there's some pets that are included in this thing. Uh, but there's still time for you to get in that. We'll get the update from Bill on that and any other things that are related to the upcoming college football season. And what can he shed light for us? On basketball, which is not that far away, both the Husker men and women's programs began practice last week. College basketball is officially to start first games on November 25th, which will be five weeks from tomorrow. And so we're not that far away as Husker basketball is getting ready to get going uh, and with second-year head coach Fred Hoiberg and then Amy Williams' squad on the women's side as well. Maybe we'll get an update on where that stands as well. Do we have Bill Moose with us tonight? Sir, are you with us? Boy, you tested me on this, Greg.
1: Are you there? <laughs> I got you, buddy. How are you tonight? I'm good. A couple of technical difficulties, but uh, we called an audible, and uh, we're, uh, we're, we're about to score our first touchdown, so good to, good to hear your voice. How does it feel to
0: be to a game week for Husker football? Did you did you think two months ago we would get to this point?
1: Well, I was hopeful, as as you are well aware, and um, uh, as we've talked before, it it didn't happen easily, and and uh, uh, I think we're all set. I think the conference is set. Uh, uh, hopefully, uh, Ohio State's ready. I'm sure they are. Gene Smith does a great job up there and uh we're we're ready to go i'm eager to get on the plane and uh head that direction
0: well you've put a lot of work into it scott frost mentioned yesterday at his press gathering bill that maybe without ohio state jumping in and really getting active and dr borcher's from their staff really getting involved that this might not have happened is that would you agree with all that
1: well, definitely uh, Ohio State and Nebraska were pushing the dial uh, to have a season um, after the, the original schedule uh, was canceled after six days. Uh, and Scott is spot on in regards to uh, Dr. Borchardt, um, who is the team doctor and a former player at Ohio State who uh, led the medical uh, team of our, our uh, campus uh, medical professionals and really did an outstanding job with um, the presidents and chancellors, uh, putting them at ease that uh, our testing protocols were uh, uh, very advanced and far more than just sufficient and um, that we uh, could have a, a safe environment for our student athletes to compete. And uh, I got to agree, he was an all-star and uh, Definitely, I don't think we'd be talking about playing this Saturday if it wasn't for him.
0: Well, this Saturday, Huskers are on the road. Next Saturday, you get to come back to Memorial Stadium, and I know we're a couple of weeks now into the Sea of Red campaign. How has that gone? Can you give us an update, and is it too late for folks to jump in and be involved in this?
1: Well, it has gone uh, simply tremendous. Uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, we've we've got more than four thousand cutouts uh, that have been sold, and there's still some available if our fans want to uh, join in. I think the four thousand, Greg, um, is um, more than any any school in the country. And of course that comes as no surprise. So um, we also have some uh, cutouts still available in the tunnel walk area, but uh, those are going fast. And and uh, so the, virtually uh, uh, everyone has a, a, a chance still to be a part of this for as little as $25 and, um, and have a collector's item that uh, they can savor and remember this unique uh, season uh, for years to come.
0: Well, uh, th- this was a creative campaign. I know your folks were at work all summer trying to figure out ways if you were not allowed to let people into the stadium. And this was a really good creative way to get folks involved, to, to get them involved. And 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 I know you love our fans. We're going to dearly miss them in the coming months for this game. But uh, this this is better than nothing, I think, for everybody
1: well yeah we're going to be in action our our fans are going to be able to see us play and we want them to feel it as much as, as possible i mean there's no substitution for um, memorial stadium on a, on a game day but uh, i really applaud my staff and the great job they've done uh, very creative uh, really innovative thinking way outside the box and uh, the uh, the the sea of red is an example of that and and, um, and and several other things that we're doing that uh, I think are quite quite unique uh, even more so than the sea of green or Sea of Red.
0: the second stream I've heard about the second screen I've heard about this uh, this will be for home games so this will not be available to the folks this week but
1: for home games at Memorial Stadium. what can you tell us about this? well this is our our effort to, uh, Give our fans a feel of Memorial Stadium on game day, and and it is so special. I, I try to tell people uh, that have never experienced uh, a home game uh, with with no, at Nebraska, and it, it's uh, it's simply amazing. And and uh, what what we're what we're going to do is we're gonna we're gonna <clears throat> bring our fans in uh, on uh, at Huskers. Uh, on facebook and twitter and begin about 90 minutes before kick and um, let the fans see the warm-ups the team getting ready stretching etc and and um, game day features and videos of the band and cheer performances and and actually be able to uh to observe and get a feel for the tunnel walk which is such a big part of husker football so uh Uh, You and Matt will be uh, on the radio, of course, and and, uh, we'll have stats and features and and all these things during breaks. And uh, we'll also have opportunities for fans to send videos and pictures of what they're doing and how they're celebrating game day at their homes or wherever they may be. So again... Uh, kudos to my staff who have come up with these ideas. And uh, it, it's, again, not going to be uh, the same, but it's going to be fun. And that's what, that's what our intent was.
0: Bill, we have a question on our text line. It's from John in Omaha. He says, I know Coach Frost would rather have no artificial sound at all during the games. However, since there's going to be, has the Big Ten come up with guidelines or limits on the use of the artificial sound? What can you update us on that?
1: Yeah, there's there are limits, the uh, decibel counts, and all of this. It makes you wonder. And I've asked because some of this uh, starts to border on on being ridiculous. Um, I mean, where, where where's the decibel uh, uh, meter for when we do have crowds? Um, and you know how I feel about uh, uh, the the people in our venues being determined by local health authorities rather than by the Big Ten, but having said that there, there has been limits. Um, we are going to talk again tomorrow about how those are going to be monitored and, um, when, when the, uh, uh, artificial sound can start and when it needs to stop and all these types of things. So again, uncharted territory and we'll see how it pans out.
0: Yeah, it's certainly, uh, um, it's going to be interesting being in these big stadiums, Bill, with very few people at all. I know they're going to let some family members come in and be there, but it's just going to – I don't know what quite what to expect when we get to the Horseshoe or at Memorial Stadium in two weeks. Uh, I, I'm glad the kids are going to be out there playing and our coaches are coaching, but it's certainly going to be – uh, a, a different feel, and hopefully this is just a one-year deal. I, I cannot wait to get Memorial Stadium filled back to the brim again with all of our, our great fans um, dressed in red and cheering on their, their Husker football team. Uh, also on our text line, a guy said, now that football is back, have you been able to, to bring back any of your furlough workers?
1: Yes, we've brought uh, several, primarily in the uh, nutrition area. Uh, because our our training table has started up again for football and will be uh, uh, utilized by both men's and women's basketball here shortly. So um, some of those uh, employees have come off furlough, the majority of them in our training table area, but also some in game management, because even though we're not going to have fans uh, to say of, of any number, We still are going to have parents uh, of players and and some guests that uh, we're going to need to be taken care of. And of course, to have the stadium ready and prepared for a major college football game uh, takes a a good deal of work as well. So I am happy that some of our furloughed uh, employees are going to be back with us and already are fantastic
0: again 531-500-4686 the number if you want to dot us up with a comment or question or texting is easier for you that same number applies for our text line let's go to testing bill um i know that the football team couldn't go to pads until september 30th so that all the schools in the league had access to the appropriate testing how has that gone have there been potholes
1: bumps in the road what what's it been like the last three four weeks it's actually gone very well, Greg, and and um, I'm I'm really impressed with uh, not only how we're handling uh, it here and have from the very beginning. I'm talking about the testing, but also the uh, the Big Ten protocols, which again uh, were described and really uh, hammered out by Doctor Borchers and and his uh, medical professionals committee. So um, we are testing now uh in, in football we're testing six six days a week um and every day uh, except for the day after the competition and um uh, it, it is it is really i, I it's, it's worked very well you know we're going to see again once we uh get on airplanes and uh stay in hotels and and uh are on different campuses but the one good thing that uh, uh, I, I really think is is important and uh, very reassuring is that one protocol for all 14 schools. Um, everybody's doing it the same way. Uh, the the same people are administering the tests, and and, uh, and 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 we are all very very confident that that's going to. Uh, be, be very uh, very important as we go week to week. Now there's going to be uh, there's going to be some positive tests. There may be clusters of positive tests, but um, we we at least are able to uh, to tell uh, and and tell early. So maybe some players aren't going to be allowed to make the trip. Some will not be allowed to suit up for the game. But by and large, I think it's very sound, and, and uh, I, I have every reason to believe that it's going to work very well.
0: Bill, three of the, of the Power Five conferences have been at it for a while, and they've had issues at, in the SEC in the Big 12 and the ACC. Well, what have you observed of, of games that have been played? And can the Big Ten and, and even Nebraska learn from some of the things that have already happened around the country with this season?
1: Yeah, I think that that's a a little bit of the lemonade in the bucket of lemons. Is uh, We didn't get to start as early as we wanted to, but we have had um, the advantage of of observing and assessing what other uh, conferences and schools are doing. And I think at last count there were um, high 20s, maybe even 30 games uh, so far this season that have been canceled or postponed for various reasons of course uh, centered around testing and and spikes in in the uh, uh in the in the virus so um We've been able to take notes, watch this uh, before our season starts this weekend, and and uh, I think that's been uh, advantageous for us. And and uh, because, like I said, we're going we will have some challenges as we move forward, but probably not as many as uh, had we started earlier and and fresh when everybody else did.
0: Speaking of challenges, it did come out last week that there's an issue currently on campus with the track and field team. What can you What can you tell the audience about that?
1: Well, we did have uh, uh, several positive tests on the track and field team, and you know our our listeners got to realize that uh, roughly twenty five percent of our student athletes are track and field athletes. Yeah. So large numbers, both male and female, and. Uh, uh, this thing, as we all know, we've been watching it for months and months, can spread very fast. So um, we felt the best thing to do, and this is part of our campus protocol within our department, is to shut down practice, to shut the, the uh, program down, to pause it uh, until it can get under control. And we're confident that... Uh, everybody is, is back in a position not to be a danger to their teammates. So uh, that is where we are sitting right now with track and field. Very good. Back to our text line, Bill.
0: Sue says, since the Big Ten has required daily testing, are they picking up the
1: tab for this testing? Did Is she asking if the conference is picking it up? Correct. Well, that's a – that's a – uh, a two-edged answer. Um, one is yes, the uh, conference is uh, picking up the tab, but uh, the the other part of that is that that it will be a reduction in uh, the revenue that we receive from the conference. So, uh, just like salaries, benefits, travel, all of that by the Big Ten staff, and a number of other things uh, that are uh, are. are taken out of uh, the gross uh, payment to the 14 schools, which is all equal, uh, testing for uh, COVID-19 will be one of those. So uh, we will feel it in the end. Very good. Bill Moose with us. It's our Athletic Director's show for the month of October.
0: Tuesday night here on Sports Honey of a Game Week. Oh, hallelujah. Time to give you tonight's practice report. Every practice.
2: We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it.
0: All season long.
3: There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think
4: these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's
0: time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly.
4: As always, our practice reports
3: brought to you by JTEC. Football is back and soon the cold weather will be too, just like today, through Windows aren't ready for winter, called JTEC Construction, the official exterior experts of the Huskers for a free estimate. Well, I would say offense or defense day, but it was a mix. It was a conglomerate. That's what it was today. Uh, a little bit of everything. So uh, first up with us and the, with the media today was defensive coordinator Eric Shenander. And obviously, big question Mark, with this team in terms of production uptick and expectation, is at the outside linebacker position. Uh, Coach Chins talked a little bit about the depth at that
0: spot.
5: Yeah, I think there's, um, you know, there's some, a lot of different faces probably going to play depending on packages. Um, we've got a few guys that can go in and in, are better in different situations right now. Um, but you know, you got uh, JoJo Doman, Caleb Tanner, Garrett Nelson, um, Feldarius Payne um you know nick henrich has been taking some reps in and out of that position um and nico cooper are probably the the
0: top guys right now of that group who intrigues you the most who um long term maybe nico cooper but i just don't think he's ready i i keep going back to him it's caleb tanner he's Caleb Tanner, I think, has the ability to be a disruptive force on the field for this team. He needs to put it all together. So I would say him, and 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 interesting that they've moved Nick Henrich now to the outside backer spot. And, and I think he's a guy that also has a nose for the football and will play his tail off. And my guess is he's going to get some snaps playing out there pretty much every game. If you missed it earlier in the week, uh, Javen Wright
3: also moved to outside yeah. linebacker. He is out for the season Uh, with a knee injury Um, something that was kind of announced today uh, by the Big Ten was noise levels uh, artificial noise being pumped into the stadium Um, 70 decibels is what they're looking for Um, standard of play excitable moments they can bump it up to 90 will that have an effect um, with practice and preparation with the defense here's Nebraska's defensive coordinator
5: uh, I don't think the noise ever changes what what you're doing offensive or defensively, other than you know you can probably communicate a little better from the sideline and out on the field. Um. You know the big deal in the NFL is stealing signals and that kind of thing, but I think you know the coaches in this league are good enough as they are in the NFL. They're going to keep changing those up, um, so you can't get a beat on that, those types of things. Um, the crowd noise, you know, we always have noise at practice, whether it be crowd noise or, or music or whatever. And I guess the Big Ten has set a decibel limit for what you can play in the stadium at what times. And I think that um, our guys are, are are practicing that a little bit for our games and giving our guys a little taste of what it's going to be like.
3: It, and f- since we're talking about defense with Eric Shenander, nothing will be louder than what Memorial Stadium provides with our defense when they're out there on the field. So nothing will be different in that
0: regard for that group. yeah, usually the the noise level when you're a road team is when your team has the football. The noise level that the defense deals with your ride is at home, and so they're not going crank they're not going to crank something of that much. Uh, for these Big Ten games. I don't think it's going to be a factor really at all.
3: Uh, no, I don't think it's going to be either. Something that will be a factor is the number of players that Nebraska can bring. Normally uh, there's some tug of war going on between the coaches of how many <clears throat> each assistant can bring based on the numbers. We're assuming the number is 74. That's the number handed down by the league. So 74 will travel with the Big Red. How different is that this year With no red shirt rule. Obviously this year does not count with eligibility. So What does that do in terms of who you bring knowing that you don't have to worry about how many snaps guys are playing? Eric Schneider addressed that today as well.
5: You know sometimes you used to take a few extra guys that you thought were gonna help you in the future so they could see what road games were supposed to be like and those types of things, but now with um, no red shirts you know, or you know, they're not going to take the year of eligibility away. It's you know the guys that are going to play in the game, and those those guys are obviously the most important. You have more of those guys to use, so you could use some of those redshirt guys on special teams and not worry about running them down just on kickoff. You know, that's always the the. The, the scare before is: Are you just going to run them down on kickoff, and that's going to blow their redshirt year? Well, now you can you can use everybody. So everybody that's in the too deep on any special team or defense or offense has to travel right now, and then the others get picked from what's left.
3: I would think it might be a little easier this year. I mean, just pick your best players. You know, you, you go to meeting. Okay, who do we think is the best at each spot? uh The the best backups, and you say, okay, well, we got to fill this fill this seventy four out, and the best players are going to go. I think that's probably how you do it.
0: Yeah. I would think it's, in some ways, hard to cut it to 74. I think you got a lot of good competition going across this football team. They probably had to make some tough cuts, wouldn't you think, to just get it to 74? That's what you want to have. You don't want to have the trip going, well, who, who else can we add to get to 74? <laughs> yeah. you know? uh, I think there's enough depth now on this team across the board that they're probably leaving some pretty good guys behind that can't go make the trip, and that's what you want. You want to get your program to where it's an honor to be able to get on that bus to go to the airport to fly somewhere. Yeah. You talked about Nick Henrich, about
3: yeah. his ceiling and uh, what he could potentially bring, a guy who's been dealing with injury issues, not just his first season in Nebraska, but finishing finishing up his career at Omaha Burke with the Bulldogs. What what does he bring? And what does Coach Shenander like about Nick Henrich and uh, the ceiling that he could potentially have for this defense?
5: You know, he's a smart kid that can take coaching. Um, and just overall, he's a football player. You know, No matter where you put him, what position you're going to put him in, he's a football player. He understands spacing. He understands leverage. He understands assignment. um, And he's a tough kid, and he loves Nebraska first and foremost. He loves the game of football. So he's going to do whatever he has to do to get on the field, whether that's learn a new position midweek or or study it from the day he got here. But I just think he's a football player, and and he needs to be on the field somewhere.
0: Ben, think about how many times we've heard – scott frost in the last three years say i need more guys that love football well nick henrich is that garrett nelson is that luke mccaffrey is that i mean i think they're getting those kind of guys into the program and those kind of players will find the playing surface at some point in time and nick henrich is one of those let me throw out a comp and tell me tell me if
3: if i'm in the ballpark with potential with nick henrich sean fisher
0: yeah, I think I think maybe the ceiling might even be higher for Nick. Um, you now he's got to go away because Sean turned into a starter for this team, but that's not that's not bad. Uh, body size pretty close, pretty similar. I mean, I think Nick's six two. Sean was, I think, every bit of that. That's that's not bad. Both Omaha kids, yeah, yeah, long and
3: lanky type guys. Mm-hmm. So some some decent conversation there on Nick Henrich about what potentially he could bring. Uh, let's move up a level to the defensive line. This is going to be. Probably the toughest test, um, you know, maybe maybe Iowa, maybe Wisconsin, but when you've got two potentially three first-round draft picks on this offensive line for Ohio State, gonna make things challenging on that defensive front. Um, what, where is the confidence that lies with the defensive coordinator about this group and what he thinks about their ability to go up against a team like Ohio State?
5: First and foremost, you know, Coach Toyote has done a great job with those guys, um, getting them ready to play, even when they were young, developing. Um, you know, and then you got guys like Ben Stilley, Damian Daniels, um, DeAndre Thomas. Those guys have played in a lot of game reps for us, and they've given us really good game reps. Um, and they've continued to grow, and I've seen them get better and better and better. Um, from the time we started last year till today, um, so you have confidence in those guys, and then you have confidence in some young guys, you know, like the Ty Robinsons of the world, and, and Casey Rogers, and you know, Keem Green, and Jordan Riley, and those types of guys that have you know just accelerated their their learning curve. Um, so I feel really good about about what they can do. Um, you know, just like any other position, you're playing defensive line, especially in, in this conference. Um, Ohio State's got a really good offensive line. It, it, they're going to come out and they, they got to hit somebody in the mouth right away and they got to feel the tempo of this game and feel the violence of this game and feel the um, what what they're about to go against, which I'm glad Coach Frost has got us a lot of good on good reps so we can go against our first team offensive line um, so they're not out there just, you know, like it's a scout team every day. Uh, but but it, it, they've got to go out there and, you know, put their face on somebody right away and feel what this thing's all about. But I feel I feel very confident about that group.
3: Might take one. Maybe two snaps for them to know what kind of fight they're
0: getting into on Saturday yeah. against Ohio yeah. State. Yeah, that's a really good offensive line. Draft picks along that offensive line—it's it, a solid group uh, for Ohio State. So yeah, they're gonna—they'll be tested big time. And then yeah, you follow that up with Wisconsin's gigantic line next week. We're gonna learn a lot about that defensive front, Ben, in weeks one and two. Nick Henrich has dominated a lot of the conversation
3: today, both with us and uh, with the local media. And we further examine his game with Mike Dawson. First of all, great to see Coach Dawson back in front of of the cameras, uh, taking over the outside linebacker position after a one-year hiatus in the National Football League. But uh, Coach Dawson was asked further about Nick Henrich and what about his characteristics as a football player fit at the outside linebacker position.
6: Well, what's allowed him to do it is he's a football player. He's a natural football player. He's got a great nose for the ball. Uh, Some of the things that you spend a lot of time teaching guys about, hey, if you get – you know, a certain type of block, then you need to transition from the run game to the pass game or things like that where he just went out there and just did it, um, you know, which was really cool to see. He's got that knack and uh, natural ability to find his way to the football. So um, that's, been, that's been really uh, probably the biggest thing that stood out on, uh, as far as that goes. And then uh, he's, he's really smart, does a great job of taking what he learns in the classroom and bringing it to the field without, without a lot of repetition, um, which, which, which is great.
3: A lot of people around here excited to see Nick Henrich begin his Husker career here this year. Okay, back to the Buckeyes. Uh, what does this defensive group, particularly outside linebackers and under the watchful eye of Coach Dawson, need to do against the Buckeyes to, to have some success?
6: Yeah, I think when you're playing in an offense like this, they have so many weapons, um, not only on their skill players, but they have great offensive linemen as well. And uh, they can do it with the quarterback and the run, you know multiple running backs and uh, the receivers. So uh, you have to, number one, be uh, you really on point with what you're doing and make sure that you're executing your assignments, uh, not giving them big home runs. Yeah, you, you always want to keep the ball in front of you on defense and eliminate the big plays. So that's something you're going to have to do. And then we're going to have to do a good job of picking our shots to uh, go ahead and be aggressive and be physical with these guys and uh, chances, uh, when the chances arise to be able to go ahead and apply pressure, be able to take advantage of it. So uh, when that comes up, uh, execute and make sure that you follow out your assignment. And then bottom line comes to this. We're going to have to play fast and um, play uh, with uh, Coach Frost says it uh, all the time. Uh, no fear of failure and a desire to excel. That's what, This is going to be the the pinnacle of that for us. We're going to have to really be flying around out there.
3: Yeah, going to need some guys to make some pretty heroic plays to pull off a huge upset on Saturday. What what will it take uh, for the outside linebackers to be ready in terms of time? Is this something that he sees uh, progressing you know, two, three, four games down the line, or does he feel like they're ready now somewhere in between? Coach Dawson talked about um, if, if these guys have time to get ready for what lies ahead with this season
6: to me i think every coach wants their guys to go out there hey when you put them out there and they hit this perfect game where there's no missed assignments no missed tackles and they've done it we're all searching for that as defensive coaches um i think that i think each individual case is going to be different it's a little bit of a younger room um you know we have uh, you know jojo being kind of the only really senior in the group but um and, and obviously with the most playing time but uh it's it's a younger group and uh but the the, the the issue with this or not issue, but the reality of it is that you don't have time to be young. You know, this is live bullets and accounts and get in there and we need to execute. No one's going to feel sorry for us that they haven't done it. or And everybody's got a level playing field. Everyone's dealing with the same, um, you know, time restrictions and global pandemic that we have. So uh, we're going to have to show up and we're going to have to play hard and fast. And uh, we're going to have to do it very, very quickly.
3: It's... It's the exact opposite of feeling sorry for a team. You find an, an area of weakness and you exploit it. Ohio State found where 22 lined up last year and just ran right at Alex Davis and just challenged him, and he wasn't up to the task, nor were a lot of members of Nebraska's defense. It's not Alex Davis's fault Nebraska lost that football game last year, but when you're a coach and you're looking at film, it's the same reason why uh, there was an NFL game two weeks ago where there was a rookie corner coming in and um, trying to remember I'm trying to remember off the top of my head who who was playing but every time they ran man-to-man the quarterback went to the line audible to <laughs> to a passing play and threw right at the rookie corner so you find an area of weakness and you exploit it at no matter the level and you have to do your best to not show any weakness or not not be the one that is targeted and if you are you have to be a man and rise up to it and, and say, sorry, you may have seen something on film, but it's not going to work today.
0: Absolutely. That, that's, it, football is a game about matchups, and I'm not sure a lot of fans know that, but that coaches go on third and sixth, that's the guy pointing to a safety or corner or a linebacker or whatever. That's who we want to attack. We want to get this back on that linebacker or this tight end on that safety. We think our guy can win the one-on-one battle. That's where we want to go in big situations. The team I was thinking of was the
3: Niners, by the way. They got uh, Verrett and Mosley back at corner. And the, the right. week before, it was the Dolphins who abused them. So uh, that was who I was trying to think of. Okay, uh, let's finish it up here with uh, with some offense and Nebraska running backs coach Ryan Held. And, and the big big news of the day uh, comes from the running back position and Ronald Tompkins. There's been a lot of chatter about who's going to back up Diedrich Mills. There's been the the work the words workhorse, bell cow, all the alike with what Diedrich's going to be uh, handling with. But you need somebody behind him. It sounds like Ronald Tompkins is the number two. Ryan Held talked about that young man today.
4: Yeah, Ronald's done a really good job putting himself in position to help our football team. You know, he's the number two back right now. Uh, we feel confident in his ability to go in and make plays for us. Uh, it's been a long journey for him, but, you know, he's been able to fight through a lot of – uh, a lot of stuff, obviously, to get to this point. I know he's really excited. Uh, he's a very talented back, and and uh, you know it's been a while since he's played, um, but I know he's excited to get back out there. And and uh, you know he he's another guy that. Uh, will get better as the season goes on, as he gets to the used to you know used to the flow of how a game will go and practice and everything because he just hadn't done it in a long time, uh, just on uh, the everyday grind of it. So uh, he's done a good job, and uh, we're excited to be able to get him out there because we feel like he can help our team. It's a guy that
3: uh, certainly can bring some things to the table um, in terms of spelling Dedrick Mills and and maybe add some some more versatility with uh, with pass catching. What about the depth in that spot and what Diedrich Mills' role is going to be? Here's Ryan Held.
4: Yeah, I mean, Diedrich's got to be ready to play a lot of snaps. There's no doubt about it, and he's preparing himself to do that. Uh, The good thing is we do have guys uh, more depth this year than we've ever had since we've been here. Uh, You know, we're preparing uh, as many guys as we can because you just never know how uh, the season will go. With you know, if a guy's out because of COVID or what for whatever reason. So the more guys you have, the better. But uh, Diedrich knows he's got to be ready to 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 be uh, the bell cow and and the workhorse. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're going to have other guys ready with Ronald and Ramir and, and Marvin and uh, Cooper Jewett. What about
3: Ronald Tompkins' skills as a player helped him earn that number two spot? We've heard a lot about him, but what does he look like? What type of running back is he? Coach Held was asked that today.
4: Well, he, he he's a slasher. Uh, you know, he's got uh, the ability to make cuts. Uh, he's got tremendous hands. He can really catch the ball uh, out of the backfield. I mean, he's one of the better guys on our football team catching the football. Uh, you know, so he, he gives us a, a nice um, you know, five two player that that can that can do a lot of different things. Uh but again, you know, this is gonna be his first action in a long time. So you know, very similar to Diedrich, uh, you know, he's gonna get better and better and better as the year goes on just because of getting used to uh, you know where everything's going to hit in our offense, and being able to see the signal and line up, and uh, you know understand all the different concepts. Uh, you know I'm not going to put more on him uh, than need be, but uh, you know we're excited he's going to be able to help our football team. And and uh, like I said, he's going to get better as the year goes on, uh, as as each week uh, you know moves forward.
3: Fine line you walk. I know I know you don't want to you you want to put a player in the in the situation to be successful. You don't want him to put him in. Um, you know, put him in a formation or a play that he may not know. He may not know the read. It's not something he's repped a bunch. It's not a play that he's familiar with running. You know, whatever, whatever the case may be. But you also don't want to be super predictable and say, okay, this, you know, if you're a team watching, if you're Wisconsin watching Nebraska, say, okay, only 25 only comes out in this situation. Or they only want to do this with 25. Or 25 likes to run this way or behind this guy. You don't want to be predictable, but at the same time, you don't want to sensory overload him to where he's thinking and not playing either.
0: True. That's absolutely true. Now, with Ronald, he was here last year. Now, I don't know how much he studied the playbook and studied when guys were practicing. He was out there watching a lot. So you think he would have absorbed something, and they've had a bunch of meetings. So, But, again, it's not the same thing as when your head is swimming and your adrenaline is pumping through your body and you're just worried about hanging on to the football and doing some of those simple things. You're right. The game may be going really fast for him the first time or two he's on the field. We'll finish it up here quickly
3: with some special teams, particularly kickoff returns and what that could potentially look like. It was atrocious last year, starting first with the decision-making and then the productivity to follow. What is a kick return situation right now?
4: Oh, you have a, a, a hybrid of guys. I mean, you have Ramir, you have Cam Taylor, you got Brody Belch, you got Wandale Robinson, um, you know. Marcus Fleming there's some different guys that that'll be back there and and uh so their coach Beck actually works with the returners specifically um you know punt return and kickoff returners does a great job with those guys uh, and Coach Lubick as well. So they're they're working through all that. And, and, uh, you know, the way the kickers are, sometimes it's harder to get uh, kickoff returns. Now they're kicking the dog on thing 10, 10 rows deep. Uh, but, you know, you never know what the weather in the Big Ten, you, you know, you got to be prepared to, to, uh, to, you know, have these returns be change in field position, which we've got to do a better job of.
3: The rule of thumb should be you're never starting a drive closer to your goal line than the 25. That happened in Nebraska so many dang times last year. It was beyond frustrating, either with a dumb choice to bring it out, somebody not blocking, or a penalty. I mean... If in doubt, throw your arm up in the air, catch the fair catch, let's take it on the 25, and let's go. I mean, I I get so tired of watching Nebraska start a a possession at the 10-yard line against good defenses like Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. You're you're making things so much more difficult on yourself by trying to be a hero, bringing the ball out two yards deep in the end zone, and returning it to the 15 and then having a block in the back. Now we're at our own seven.
0: I'm sure this is out there. I haven't seen it. A guy like Brandon Vogel, Hale Varsity, who tracks a lot of this stuff, can probably tell you right off the top of his head what Nebraska's average drive start was last year. I know it was 15 yards at least, worse than their opponents. So if Nebraska's average drive start was at the 18, I guarantee you the opponent's was at least the 33-yard line when you average it out after all the drives. It just Those hidden yards were just huge Against Nebraska last year. And it's hard to win games when you have to do that week after week, game after game. And Nebraska has been that way for a couple years now. Yeah. Tough stuff. Great stuff, man. That was fun hearing from all those guys on our J Practice Report. We think them up, we count them down. It's Top 10 Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. Well, with the Big Ten season set to launch, Ben in three days—not four, but three—because of Wisconsin, Illinois. Austin came up with this idea to pick out the top ten matchups in the Big Ten. Pretty easy one to do, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty easy. And I think I got all these
3: off the off the top of the dome. Didn't didn't even need to uh, <laughs> the internet assistance on this one.
0: Austin, this is a great idea. I appreciate that.
2: Also, a you're great a champion, idea.
3: Austin. Don't ever ever let anyone tell you <laughs> otherwise.
2: You know there. Uh, the haters I'll just play this clip for them no one's gonna get me down but I will admit <laughs> I had never heard the uh, song underneath this open by Leonard Skinner until driving home from the show on Friday night actually
3: yeah is that you right? you never heard
2: it in uh, Happy Gilmore? I guess I didn't remember it from that because I've seen Happy Gilmore I guess I just didn't remember it was in there very so. beginning
3: very beginning and I think at the very end too
2: clearly I forgot so, that it's the first the time I know. actually recognized it so nice I'm young sorry people it's okay.
0: Isn't that also a bumper on game day? Don't they use that as one of their bumpers coming in, too?
2: I don't uh,
3: watch game day that often, to be honest with you.
0: There's a nice debate because the big show on Fox is not bad. They, they get into getting some better. really good stuff. It's getting better, isn't Austin? Yeah. Game okay. day gets into some little giggly segments where they're just kind of laughing with each other, and then that's well, some I of just that's okay. I don't like any of those people. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> that has like something to do us. with it.
2: Well, Austin, since this one was yours, lead us off. Sure, thank you. All right, so number 10 for me, I've got a Big Ten West Divisional matchup between the two top teams from last year, Minnesota at Wisconsin. This one comes on November the 28th. Two years ago, the last time this game was at Camp Randall, Minnesota won it by 22 points. Wisconsin clearly took exception last year and completely snuffed out Minnesota's New Year's Six dreams. These programs don't like each other. They're extremely different stylistically. You think of the differences, even from you know PJ Fleck to Paul Christ, just those yeah. two guys, two different teams. I think it should be a fun matchup late in the season.
0: This is for the axe, right? The Paul Bunyan axe. It is. Yep, that thing's huge. That's one, yeah, big it is. B- That's one big it X. <laughs> All right, my number 10, I'm going to the East, and, and this is on a November 7th game uh, at the Big House. Michigan hosting Indiana. I think Indiana, and they have had some really good matchups with Michigan in the last four or five years, a couple games that have gone to overtime. Indiana is right on the heels, I think, of Michigan to try to keep climbing the ladder in that Big Ten East. So Indiana's going to have a tough start as they open with Penn State and then week three get Michigan. So um, that game's got my interest on November 7th, Indiana at Michigan. That's my number 10.
3: All right, I'll stick in the East. I'll stick with Michigan. But I'm going to go with another team that has a chance to beat them that really shouldn't, and that's little brother, Michigan State. Really intrigued to see how Michigan State stacks up, mainly because they always play Michigan tough, and I always root for Michigan to lose pretty much every week and this is a good one this is a good one for them to lose because um, it's one they're expected to win which makes every Michigan loss more enjoyable the ones are expected to win so um, Michigan State typically gives them problems they play them close their offense has been a train wreck the last few years I'm not expecting it to be too much better this year but if Michigan State can find a way to beat Michigan uh, on uh, on Halloween night, weird things happen. Maybe they can block a punt right in for a touchdown to win again. That would be awesome. But, yeah, give me give me Sparty and the Wolverines on uh, Halloween night.
0: The Mel Tucker era of Spartan football, huh? Seems yep. weird. D'Antonio Dan, Dan yeah, was there for so long. Crazy.
2: I actually stick on Halloween night for my number nine, and I actually – take us just down 10-3. This is where I've got Wisconsin-Nebraska. I think this could be a huge statement game for Nebraska, no matter what happens on Saturday. If Nebraska gets run out of the horseshoe, they can come back and you know play Wisconsin tough, steal a win at home. That says something. They play Ohio State tough or even win. It's a chance to prove it's not a fluke. I think it's a game that could mean a lot for Nebraska. The offense has performed better against Wisconsin the last couple years. It's just really the test for that run defense.
0: That's a big game. You're right. Uh, I think that that's a real measurement game for where nebraska is have they closed the gap with the teams you got to beat to win your division and uh, yeah i think that's a giant giant game for the big red all right my number nine i'm going interdivisional here i'm going uh east versus west and this is on november the 21st iowa at Penn State, these two have had some really good games the last couple years. Games that have ended near the goal line. I remember Saquon Barkley and Josie Jewell were having quite a duel. Josie was making a ton of tackles in that game a few years ago. Iowa's was one in Happy Valley before. Um, that one's that will be an interesting game. It always is when those two teams play. Um, Iowa at Penn State, November 21st. That's my number nine.
3: Uh, I, I should have thrown this disclaimer out. That's, that's my fault to start. I didn't put any games with the Huskers on here. Just I just took them off. I, I, if, if I was going to do that, I probably would have homered it and put a few on there that I probably shouldn't have. So not to say that Austin is incorrect or, Greg, you're incorrect if you put them on. I just avoided them altogether um, just so I took the homer aspect out of it. All right, now that we're cleared up here, uh, my number nine, I've, I've got Michigan on here a lot. Uh, Michigan – And Penn State, I I thought this one might be a little bit higher, but I really don't care too much about these teams. I think they're probably two of the better teams in the league. Um, And it's it's a game that I definitely want to watch. I don't think either team is playing for a New Year's Six Bowl this year, which I think knocks it down a few pegs for me. So that and their two teams in the East. So it really doesn't impact Nebraska too much other than the Huskers play the Nittany Lions this year. So November 28th, uh, the Nittany Lions and the Wolverines for me, back-to-back Michigans to start my list.
2: All right, I'll I'll move us on to the last week of the regular season with my number eight. This is where I've got another Big Ten West battle, this one between Wisconsin and Iowa. This game will be at kinnick stadium in a perfect world i think this game is to see who finishes in sixth or seventh but probably not going to be the case this isn't going to be a you know hard-nosed old school football game might be a snow globe you know december 12th in the middle of iowa mid-december football in the midwest this is this is big 10 football i think if you're going to show someone you haven't seen football before hasn't seen the big 10 before you're going to take a snapshot from this wisconsin iowa game and say this is it
0: Okay. Very good. You're right. It's always a, a monumental game. Ben, I'm kind of with you. I've got, as I look at this now, i got Michigan on here a lot too for me. And I've got Michigan again here at eight and the same game you just had at nine. And that's Penn State at Michigan. I mean, I think Penn State feels like they've secured at least the number two spot in the East. That's got to be hard for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh to stomach. Well, here's a chance for them to try to change the perception of that. And so that will be a big game. And it's It's uh, November 28th. It's Thanksgiving weekend. It'll probably get a pretty prime TV spot. It's in the big house. Some pressure, I think, on Michigan to win a couple of these type of games. So that'll be a big one on Thanksgiving weekend.
3: Anytime Michigan plays a named team, there's a lot of pressure on them to win because of the narrative Mm -hmm. under Coach Harbaugh. So I think that's a big reason why the Wolverines are so frequent on my list. Uh, All right, on to my number eight. I'm going to a Big Ten West division matchup here. Thought this one would be a little bit higher uh, when I wrote it down. It was actually the the third game I wrote on my list, but I actually have it all the way down at number eight. I've got Minnesota and Iowa here on Friday, uh, November 13th. This was an interesting game last year uh, between these two. Iowa pretty much dominated this game, and it was interesting to watch these two go toe-to-toe. That was when Minnesota was flirting with uh, their undefeated season or their you know their big Ten West winning season and Iowa just dropped a hammer on them. So uh, PJ. Fleck running up against uh, the the tough physical brand of football at Iowa, again holds my attention. So November 13th, the Gos and the Hawks at number eight.
2: All right, Moving on to number seven, this is my last homer pick, my last Nebraska installment. This is where I've got the Black Friday game on November 27th Nebraska-Iowa. The Huskers have come within a field goal the last couple of years. Now they have to go back to Iowa City for the second year in a row. If everything works out right, it should be a meaningful game, and I think this is the year Nebraska gets over the hump. I think they've got the talent. It'd be nice to see at the very least, and I think it's going to be an interesting game with stakes at the end of the year.
0: Big games. Nebraska's got to start beating these teams that they've been finishing behind in the West at some point in time. Year three for Scott Frost. That's a that's a huge game. My number seven is also a Husker game, but I go to the last game of the regular season. That's Minnesota at Nebraska. So since Coach Frost came here, the Huskers whipped the Gophers here two years ago. Then last year, roles were reversed. Remember, that was a game Adrian missed with an injury. Noah Vedro quarterback the Huskers. And they got pushed around. The Gophers pushed them around on a Saturday night game at TCF Bank Stadium. Can Nebraska get back and and hold serve in this series and win at home and get some momentum at the end of the year? I think by then Nebraska might have some nice momentum being built. Can they finish it off? And can they stop the train, the momentum train of Minnesota? No telling where the momentum for either program will be by then. But to me it's a big one to finish off the regular season. So I've got Minnesota and Nebraska for my number seven. Nice.
3: I'll continue uh, the Gopher trend here with my number seven as well. Austin, awesome. This was your ten. I've got Paul Bunyan's axe here between the Badgers and the Gophers, and I, that again, two teams that hate each other, and I think we're all kind of in that uh, in that mix uh, with Big Ten West teams not really liking liking one another. Uh, this, is, this is definitely that. So November 28th, Wisconsin against Minnesota for me. Again, last year, man, you think about that game, snowy. Wisconsin hits the big one, or excuse me, Minnesota hits the big one right out of the chute to Bateman to go up 7 nothing, And then Wisconsin just kind of grinded them into the ground and wouldn't let Minnesota breathe and, and really dominated that football game. So uh, looking forward to, to round three between those two this year.
2: All right, running out the back half of my top five. Greg mentioned this game already, Iowa-Penn State. You look at this series history. Penn State's won six in a row, but the last three have all been close. A two-point win for Penn State at Kinnick in 2017, a six-point win in Happy Valley in 2018, and a five-point win at Kinnick again with both teams ranked the last two years, 17-12 to 12, Penn State last year. I don't know why these games are always so good. They just are. It's going to be entertaining, and I'll probably flip it on at some point.
0: Yeah, they've been classics. You're right. The last three or four have really gone down to the final plays of the game, and Penn State's been just a little bit better. Kind of reminds you of the Nebraska-Iowa series, right, where the oh, last yeah. two years it's come down to the final play of the game, basically, and the Hawkeyes have blown kisses in Nebraska both times to win the game. So it's just been intriguing why those two are, are have been really tight. All right, my number – are we at six? Where we at? Yeah. We are. My number six yep. is coming up Saturday night, and this is the game day game, Michigan at Minnesota. A lot of attention with game day there on Saturday morning. Primetime lights, first game of the weekend. Uh, we talked about this game last night with Adam Rittenberg a little bit, and he thinks the pressure on this is on Michigan. This is a game with, with their loaded-up schedule in the East to come and still having to play Wisconsin that they need to get a win. And I think we also kind of – I've kind of called it the backup season for Minnesota. Can they back up what they did a year ago going 11-2, and two, or was last year a bit of a mirage – I don't know. I think they're still really good, but this will be a, the first tell: is can Minnesota hold serve at home and beat Michigan in the Little Brown Jug game on Saturday night? I know when I get back from Columbus, I'll be watching this one. You bet. Uh, well, I actually line
3: up with you, Greg. I've got Minnesota-Michigan here, uh, my number six as well. Big Ten West against Big Ten East. Uh, don't like either team, but. A Big Ten football on display. and and I'm, I'm really interested just to see what both teams look like, more so than I am rooting for a winner. I'm interested to see if Minnesota can back up what they did last year, if they play anyway like they did to start last year, they're not going to start 3-0. and They're going to start 0-3. So they're, they better have a better start to their season in terms of well, how well they play because they, the three teams that they play this year to start the year are a heck of a lot better than last. So, And that in Michigan, I think there's a lot of pressure on the Wolverines and, and Coach Harbaugh after what they haven't been able to do in years past. So definitely I would echo a lot of what you said. Minnesota, Michigan, Little Brown Jug, my number six.
2: All right, moving into our top fives. Greg had this one at number 10. I've got it all the way up here at five. This is that Michigan at Indiana game mm-hmm. on November 7th. I really think this game could be the determining factor for who finishes third in the Big Ten East. I think Michigan's more talented than Indiana. I think their schedule sets up more favorably. But I don't trust Michigan. We've said a lot on this show with our, our picks. What teams do we trust? What teams do we not trust? Michigan's one of those teams I just don't trust them as far as I can throw them. They've had some weird games with Indiana you know, in the last seven, ten years or so. I think Indiana's offense is good enough to give Michigan's defense some problems, but I also think Michigan's offense doesn't have to be very good to score on Indiana's defense, so I think it's going to be a wildly entertaining one. And look
0: where it falls in the schedule, too, Austin. They play Michigan the week before that game plays Little Brother. Michigan State, so big rivalry game. And then the week after is Wisconsin. Yeah. So, you know, that may be a game where you're going, ah, it's just Indiana coming in here, where Indiana's going to be coming off a game with Rutgers, so probably a layup win for them, and going, this is our chance to show we can take down mighty Michigan. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm glad you put it on your list. All right, my number five, I'm going again, an East versus a West matchup. And I just kind of alluded to it, and that's Wisconsin's game at Michigan on November the 14th. The Badgers absolutely beat to a tar Michigan a year ago at Camp Randall. You know that's got to be in the back of the Wolverines' minds. Can they get revenge on Wisconsin? Uh, big game, obviously, from being a Husker fan in the West. You want the West teams to lose when they play these East teams, so we'll all be big fans of Michigan that day. I'll be, uh, be <laughs> tuning into that one on the 14th of November. Man, I find it so hard to root
3: for Michigan, but you just gotta do it. You just gotta, <laughs> yeah, you gotta case, find a way right? to suck it up and do it. Yeah, yeah,
2: hold your nose. Um, again,
3: uh, similar situation and this isn't hard. This isn't a hard team to root for. But Penn State and Iowa here at number four. It's not hard to root for the Nittany Lions. Just go beat the tar out of the Hawkeyes. That, that's <laughs> that. That's what we want to have happen. But again, Big Ten West against Big Ten East. Um, you know Iowa doesn't have particularly tough crossover games. This is their toughest one on November 21st, and hoping the Nittany Lions can take it to them.
2: I'll stick with the theme of your guys' last couple entries and finding it easier to root for Penn State than Michigan. I've got that Penn State-Michigan game that you guys had at number 9 for Ben and number 8 for Greg here at my number 4. This might be a game that determines who finishes second in the East. I think Penn State should have it pretty well in hand by then but the twist is this game's at the big house and michigan's won the last three there the last time the game was there in 2018 it was 42 to 7 wolverine so penn state's got some history running up against it but i think the nittany Lions should get it done but I'm, i'm expecting a close one at the big house
0: okay very good i promise this is the end of my michigan run at number four and this one, I'm sure you guys will have higher. But here's where I've got Ohio State-Michigan. I only have it at number four because I think the East will be decided by the time they play to end the regular season on December the 12th. The games have not been very good lately. You've had one kind of close game in the last five years. This one's at the shoe. I just don't know that it'll be that great of a game, but you kind of feel like you're in the Big Ten, got to include this game in your list. But this is as high as I can go with it at number four.
3: Okay, very good. Um, I'm all out of whack here. Uh, Number four. four. We're at four, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, my four here, I've got Penn State, Ohio State on Halloween night. Uh, again, you guys might have a little bit higher than I do, but um, uh, this game would have automatically been higher had we get to see the out. I think to me just yeah. that atmosphere adds so much. I had, to, I had to knock it down a few pegs just because we're not going to get to see the wideout. But I think this game, if Penn State can find a way to upset Ohio State, uh, will say a lot about uh, the end of that race and have it being so early in the season uh, can really jolt the Nittany Lions forward if they can find a way to upset the Buckeyes. How about this? Ohio State only plays two ranked teams this year, so they better take advantage of every opportunity they get. So, uh, both teams, for me, huge opportunity uh, to make a statement on Halloween night.
2: All right, my bronze medalist, uh, Greg just had number four. This is where I've got Michigan at Ohio State. Like you said, Greg, probably not going to be great. Ohio State's very clearly the better team. But, hey, maybe quitty Pay can cause some problems and maybe quarterback to be named later can – Sneak a couple in and no J.K. Dobbins who's gonna back up across the first down line or maybe not. So um, maybe something happens, hmm. but I'll probably take the Buckeyes. Yeah. All right, I'm
0: going to the last week of the regular season for my number three, and that is uh Iowa hosting Wisconsin. Um could be for the West. There's a couple different variations of this thing, but I've got this right here. Last game of this regular season. Uh, it's. I probably should have had it one spot higher, but because we don't know where this – I mean, it may not determine the division at that point in time, but it's still a, usually a really tight, hard-fought, two teams play similar styles. You want physical football. You want a game that the country says that's Big Ten football. It's Wisconsin-Iowa, so it makes my list a number three. All right, Greg,
3: your three – or my my three was your four, Wisconsin, michigan Um Again, West versus East, I think we were eating at a subway, enjoying this beatdown between uh, Wisconsin and Michigan. Were we in Champagne? I think we were in Champaign, uh, lovely Champaign, Illinois at the time. Uh, we were, I think you're right. Wa- yeah, watching that. and that, that was, Everyone around the, the country was was going crazy. Desmond Howard was off his rocker and calling him embarrassing and all that, and a lot of people thought that game was going to be the end for Coach Harbaugh. Uh, but, yeah, uh, November 14th, they'll get another crack at the Badgers.
2: All right, number two for me is this weekend. You guys had this one at number six. Both of you did. Michigan at Minnesota, like you guys said, proving ground time. You know, Michigan can start their hype train all over again if they go beat a ranked Minnesota team. But Minnesota, I think this game is even more important for You, you know, was last year a fluke? Can they sustain week one against a tough defense with a new O.C.? It's going to be a difficult challenge, I think, for Minnesota. But that offense versus defense matchup, I think, will be a fun one, and it's my number two.
0: If Minnesota wins that game, have you checked their schedule? That's the opener for them is Michigan. And it it's followed up by Maryland and Illinois. They beat them. They're going to be 3-0 and with the Hawkeyes coming to Minneapolis. I mean, it, it sets up nice for the Gophers if they win this game on Saturday night. It is a huge game. All right, my number two does involve the Gophers, and kind of, I, I kind of tipped my cap there a little bit, uh, tip my hand there a little bit. I've got Wisconsin, Minnesota here at number two for me. It'll be at Camp Randall. Um, by the way the schedule sets up, I kind of feel like this one could be the deciding factor in the West. So I've got the Gophers and the Badgers for Paul Bunyan's axe at number two. All right, very good. My two, Greg, was your
3: three, so I'm just kind of one behind you. I've got Iowa-Wisconsin here at number two. Typically uh, the most boring football game you'll watch uh, just in terms of, <laughs> of how it goes down. Yeah, a lot of but puns. But so many times this has determined the the division. And until Minnesota can do it consistently or at least win the division, you got to give the nod to these two. So Wisconsin and Iowa for me on December 12th.
2: The one thing that that Wisconsin-Iowa matchup has going for is that you won't be there very long with how much both teams run the ball. <laughs> two yeah. hours, 15 minutes, you're in and out. But number one for me was Ben's number four. This is where I've got Ohio State at Penn State on Halloween night. A out on Halloween would have been quite the sight in Happy Valley, but the last you know five, six years of games between these teams have been great. The two best in the Big Ten, I don't think there's much debate about that. It's going to be a fun one. I'll, I'll definitely have that one flipped on at some point.
0: I'm with you. Ohio State, Penn State's number one for me. Uh,
3: my number one you guys had earlier and you Greg you said I'd have it higher. I do have Ohio State and Michigan here at number one on December twelfth. I know the games have been terrible, but that's what makes this game so enjoyable. Watching Ohio State just beat Michigan like a drum and beat them <laughs> into the ground. And then watching the, the Twitter responses to the Wolverine fans every week are just classic. And the other thing that helps typically helps us out as a league. Is this is always a huge boost to the Buckeyes' resume every year, so it helps them get into the playoff, which is a great thing. So, um, with with I'm with Coach Frost. Other than this week, I'm a big Ohio State fan, and and, and I am a huge Buckeye fan. Every time that these two play at the end of the year, and I wouldn't be opposed if they hang half a 100 on the Wolverines again this year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. That was fun. As we were going through this, I was just looking. It's a, the Thanksgiving weekend matchups are pretty good. You have Nebraska-Iowa, Wisconsin-Minnesota, which will be a big game in that division. You have Penn State-Michigan on that weekend. And then I'm sure Ben will be, be locked into the Purdue Rutgers game that weekend as well. But that Thanksgiving weekend's pretty juicy for Big Ten football. That'll be fun to look forward to. And any game that, that's played
3: at High Point Solution Stadium, it's not called that anymore. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Um, well, and, and that and Pisc- one's Piscataway. I think this, that Purdue matchup's in uh, West Lafayette. Oh, though. even better. Give me some, some Ross Aid Ra- Stadium. Ra- I'm, Ra- always, Ross-Ade. I'm always down for some Ross Aid Stadium.
5: <laughs> Ross Aid, there you go. <laughs>